What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. After my conversation with Jeff Lane at the West Baden Hotel, I went over to the French Lake Hotel to meet Dan Frotcher for a tour of both campuses. Because I've already covered the general history of the West Baden Hotel in our interview with Jeff, I'll be focusing on some of the quirkier or more detailed parts of the West Baden story during that part of the tour. But getting back to the French Lick Hotel, the first thing I learned from Dan was that the French Lick Casino, which now looks no different from the outside from any other part of the building, used to have the appearance of a riverboat in order to cheat gambling legislation. It even had a pond up against it to qualify it as a water feature. Dan called me over to the window to explain what happened. I'm going to have the four of you come over here. You all have been looking over here thinking that I was a loon because our casino no longer looks like a riverboat. But for 18 months, it had vinyl siding that looked like wooden planking, two smokestacks, a bridge or wheelhouse, neon powder wheels on the left and right or port and starboard side, and to the east, the far side of the casino, that was the water feature. I won't use all the very, very negative description of how it looked, but my favorite was said to me during a tour of West Baden in August of 2007. The gentleman told me that we did not have a riverboat. 
we had an oil tanker on the witness protection program. But I'm bummed. It did. It looked ridiculous. <clears throat> anyway, after 18 months, the state said, yeah, it looks ridiculous. Make it look historic. So the nautical theme goes away. They fill in the water feature. And you notice we have a red dome. It's not because West Baden is a domed hotel, but because the largest illegal casino that stood in this valley, the Brown Hotel, by the way, no relation to the Brown of Kentucky, it had a dome. Before we got any further, I wanted to know if Dan had ever tried the Pluto Cure before it was outlawed by the U.S. government. I can personally attest to the fact that my grandmother made me drink Pluto water when I was nine years old. That's nearly a 50-year-old memory. Next month, it turns 50. And let me tell you, yes, it's nasty tasting and it's very potent. But as we learned last week, potent was just what people were looking for. Sales of Pluto water doubled every year from 1901 to 1919-19. Three shifts around the clock, six days a week, bottling Pluto water and making effervescent salts, or crystals as they call them. Sales approached $2 million, and that is $2 million in 1919 dollars. So that's an incredible amount of income. 1971, the federal government banned the sale of Pluto water because it contains lithium carbonate. Now, I've heard both sides of this, trace amounts, and a very liberal, very large amount. Whatever it is, it's a controlled substance. Lithium carbonate is used in the mental health profession to level out the mood swings of bipolar disorder and manic depression. So they had to stop it. I asked Dan if he thought this lithium was the reason for the general sense of well-being at the resort. They were basically dosing a mood disorder drug all day long. Well, that's the whole thing. If it's a large amount, yeah. But if it's a trace amount, no. One, one story that I've heard is that in order to get a lift from the lithium, you would have to drink approximately a bathtub full of French Lake Pluto water. That's 80 to 100 gallons of a laxative. Don't try it at home, kids. All right? But if, it had a higher, if there was a higher percentage in it, then yeah, that would make sense. That Yeah, people got a lift from the lithium. One of the tricks with measuring the presence of lithium in a natural body of water is just in how much it might fluctuate. Like any other natural rhythm, it's also possible that the presence of this mood-altering substance has increased or decreased overall throughout the last 200 years. There's just no way to know. So what does the Pluto Corporation do today? They basically manufacture plastic bottles, label them and fill them and ship them for a variety of companies, mainly companies that make household cleaning products and even an Indiana-based petroleum company. So probably one of the larger employers. The resort would be number one. And then probably, I would say, the second, third, and maybe fourth largest employer in this area. In the hallway is a group portrait on the front lawn of a Democratic Party political convention with a very grouchy-looking Franklin Delano Roosevelt front and center. Part of what makes it so striking is the fact that his wheelchair and braces are fully visible. A lot of Democratic Party events occurred here, including the 1931 Democratic Governors' Convention. And just right of center, that is Governor of New York State, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's wearing a tan suit. Oh, my. And there's Eleanor. And you can see his leg braces, and he's sitting in a wheelchair. He's got a rather grumpy look on his face, and I have a feeling that he didn't heed the warnings of how effective Pluto water was. But... He gathered the strength that he needed, the Democratic Party support, to secure 
the party's nomination to become the next president. There's an interpretation that he accepted the party nomination here, but if you watch Ken Burns' special on Prohibition, they have the actual newsreel footage. Governor Roosevelt is in, is in Chicago accepting the party's nomination. So he got the party support here, and his fellow governors and other Democratic Party heads said, we got your back, we're going to support you. And then at some point, he would end up in Chicago for the party caucus. But a little neat part of French League history. We paused at a gilded table in the French Lake lobby. It was found by a resort employee or hotel employee in the 1990s at an auction of Tammy Faye Bakers. And the bidding's going up and this employee needed further, needed authorization to spend more money. And the kicker that made the deal, made the authorization come through is that Tammy Faye Baker somehow got this table from Liberace. So you look at the table, and with either of those names in your mind, you go, yeah. Makes total sense. sense. I asked Dan if guests came to take the water cure all on their own, or if this was something a doctor would recommend. Pretty much if the docs didn't know how to cure you of whatever was ailing you, they sent you to places with sulfurated laxative mineral water, hoping that you would flush your troubles down the drain. On the wall in front of us, Inside the West Baden lobby is an enlarged postcard from an earlier version of the West Baden Hotel. It dates to the 1890s and shows all kinds of exclusive amenities you would never expect from a hotel. It's an opera house, a photography studio, a casino, and a rather unique athletic facility, the bicycle track. Built in 1893, a two-story wooden oval track, one-third of a mile around, Pony rides for the kids on the ground level, the upper deck. They alternated between bicycling and promenading or strolling. In the northern end, you have the dirt diamond, the infield of a league regulation baseball field. Roof, floodlights, tennis courts on this end. So you have an 1893 electrically lit athletic facility with a league regulation baseball field. You had professional teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, and the St. Louis Browns attempting to hold spring training. Now, the issue is those two fields are out front, and they flood all the time. So the Pirates had it the worst. There were a lot of time for spring training. It was normally late March, early April. Back then, there were pretty much two weather conditions, frozen or flooded. So if you go sliding in the third on frozen ground, you've put yourself on the disabled list. You're injured. You're not playing that season. If you've got two feet of standing water, you're not holding spring training. Now, that's from Pittsburgh area newspapers. I found a collection of them that were gathered. I think it was Mr. Cook's son, Carl. He had gone through and researched all these newspaper snippets. So what I mentioned was one of them. And another one was that Pirates management demanded that each player on a daily basis, and it was given in ounces, but I converted it to gallons, demanded that each player on a daily basis drink two and a half gallons of this laxative mineral water. So pretty disgusting. As I like to put it, the Pirates never held batting practice, but somehow the players still managed to get their runs in. You're welcome. I'm here all week. Try the veal. That was good. You should have heard what the guests said. I, I cleaned it up. At that time, the main resort here at West Baden was a large wooden hotel owned by a man named Lee Sinclair. June 14, 1901, 1 o'clock in the morning, fire strikes, and the four-story wooden hotel is destroyed by fire. Among the guests, there were 268 guests that morning. Among them, members of the Studebaker family from South Bend, 
and Lee Sinclair, wife Caroline, only child daughter Lillian. Lillian reminds Mr. Sinclair of the family trip through Europe and the book he had written and the sketches. Hey, Dad, you have a dream hotel you sketched. Make it a reality. So Sinclair is discouraged, but encouraged by his daughter Lillian, in late June, early July, Sinclair tells the world he's going to build an absolutely fire hotel, the domed atrium. I'll make it one of the eighth wonders of the modern world. And he vows to have it ready June 14, 1902. That is one year to the day of the fire. And he's making this announcement in late June, early July. So he's already slipped his schedule a couple weeks and he's got a press release. He needs the three M's, money, manpower, materials, money. 10-year loan against the bond due to the hotel for $500,000 and a $100,000 insurance policy, so $600,000 working capital. Manpower, 500 workers, all skills, trades, and disciplines. Groundbreaking here in West Baden is early October 1901, leaving eight months and a handful of days to complete this project. Just to give you an idea on the logistics, nearly 500 rail cars of brick were required to build this place, let alone sand, paint, wood, steel, you name it. But the logistics of trying to get 500 rail cars of brick into this valley must have been a nightmare. All right. Money, manpower, materials come together. They start early to mid-October building this place. Absolutely fireproof was the claim. Pretty accurate. Limestone foot is the foundation. Triple thick interlocked columns of brick for the exterior and some interior walls steel reinforced concrete floors. Except for the wood in the window, door frames, and the door panels themselves, that's fireproof. So the hotel opens June 14, 1902, eight months and two days from groundbreaking. On a poster in the hallway, we see a large advertisement for the new domed hotel. There were 500 guest rooms, but typical for the shady marketing techniques of this era. Sinclair fools the public into thinking there are 708 guest rooms by listing this number in bold lettering at the bottom of the poster. 708 rooms. Yes, if you count every room closet, mop closet, storage closet in the 500 guest rooms, 708 rooms. This is Mr. Sinclair. Again, his middle name is Wiley, and he does live up to that name. So this is him trying to make it appear like he has 708 rooms compared to to the possible 200 guest rooms down at French Lick. So he's trying to make it look like he's more than three times the size as his main competitor. But look how the sneakiness continues. Telephone, hot and cold water, toilet and clothes closet in every room. So it states 708 rooms, but it implies guest rooms. And then it shows you the, for the time, rather modern amenities. Don't quite know know why they don't put electric light and steam heat up here, but we do know this hotel, and even the one that burned down, had electricity. Because of the dome, it's easy to overlook the floor. You spend so much time looking up that you might fail to realize you're walking across the top of a 12 million piece mosaic that once covered everything from the lobby through the entire atrium. Cassini Mosaic and Tile Company from Cincinnati, Ohio, is commissioned to design and install a marble mosaic tile floor. These are individually size cut and installed marble tiles placed individually. Penny a piece installed. How do we know that? India Landmarks has the invoice. A penny a piece in- installed, line item total for the marble tile is $120,000. 
So do the simple math, move the decimal point two places, 12 million pieces. So at one point that means this entire floor was covered with these penny tiles. So this tile floor is put in, but we just came off a carpet, so why is there carpet? Simple answer, 1901, they didn't look under the hood. The contractor's built in the blind. The concrete floor started splitting and cracking immediately. You can patch and fill concrete. You can't patch and fill marble tile. So the owners in the in mid-30s through the mid-60s removed the damaged tile, stored it in the basement in boxes and bins beneath the dining room, and then poured concrete. During the 1990s rescue, core samples were drilled, and they found that this atrium was built upon large deposits of shale, coal, and pyrite, which are not stable to build on. So in the 90s, the shale, coal, and pyrite was removed, so fresh fill, concrete cap, and initially it was a yellow epoxy resin floor that was not conducive to the resort hotel operations. So three sets of carpeting have been in the atrium starting with the first installation in 2008. It is the same family-owned and operated company that has done all three installations. This installation finished up April of 2021, so basically during the winter, and the patterns have gotten more and more complex. Anyway, I think it accompanies this tile because the company that was hired to do this to manufacture the carpet, they actually had swaths of carpet to try to reproduce the marble patterns, and it's just too much of a material contrast. It just did not look right, and so it, that's why they chose this one, and I think it just works awesome. And it looks great. And like seemingly everything else inside these facilities, it's a custom design you won't find anywhere else. During the 1920s, West Baden was owned by a local gambler turned millionaire named Edward Ballard, and it became a nationally known destination for the rich and famous. But at the end of the decade, disaster struck again. October 1929 stock market crash, the death blow. Ballard shuts the hotel down in 1932, shuts it down for good, puts it up on the real estate market for $300,000. It's actually worth $3 million. So he's taking a huge hit on this place. It's the Depression. Nobody wants it. 1934, a delegation from the Society of Jesus, more commonly known as the Jesuits, they come down from Chicago, meet with Mr. Ballard, and he's so thrilled, he gives it to him for free. But nothing's free. Next business day, the Jesuits have to go to the county clerk of the courthouse and pay $1 for the deed transfer. So 1934, this becomes West Baden College, a Jesuit seminary. West Baden College functions here from 1934 to 1964. 400 men are ordained into the Jesuit order. They take their final vows and ordained. And about three dozen Jesuit priests are actually buried on the hotel grounds. On the West Drive heading back toward French Lick, you'll see a cemetery up on the slope. And there are three dozen internments there, which are Jesuit priests. One of the unexpected ways you start to grasp the scale of these hotels is by noticing all of the little furnishing in the rooms and common spaces. If there's one of them, there's probably 2,000 others spread all throughout these buildings. In the hallways, we notice small art deco looking like fixtures every few feet. Out of curiosity, one of us asked Dan if they were original. All of them, to my knowledge, all of, hundreds of them throughout the hotel are all original. Pretty much put it this way. It, the, who's going to have time to vandalize this place, mischievous kids? They're from here. You go far enough up that ancestral tree, who do you think worked here? You just disgraced the hotel your grandmammy and grandpappy worked in. That's a paddling. 
So that probably would deter too much serious mayhem and vandalism. On one side of the atrium sits a massive ceramic fireplace set into the wall. It's a colorful outdoor scene where a gnome sits under a tree by a stony river, symbolizing the healing waters of the French-like springs. The whole thing is a custom design. Hotel literature 1902 boasts and brags about a mammoth brick fireplace that can hold a 14-foot log. I don't recommend that. You'll get burned, crushed, or both. Rookwood Pottery from Cincinnati is brought in by Miss Lillian and her husband to design and install a a ceramic surround. We used to say on our tours, we think it's Rookwood because we had no evidence. 1998, a research scientist from Procter & Gamble who collects Rookwood pottery took our tour. And her tour guide said, we think it's Rookwood, but we can't prove it. And the scientist said, no, that's Rookwood. Knowing and proving are two different things. In just over two months upon returning home to Ohio, this research scientist found the documentation necessary. The archived work order books from Rookwood Pottery in the Cincinnati library system. I've got some of those documents at my house right now. On the sheet, it's a photocopy page. It says West Baden Hotel, Rotunda. Technically, this is a rotunda, not an atrium, but the terms are used interchangeably today. Fireplace. And again, this is all on this document. Mentioned by name and the color of his garb and the yellow drinking horn is Sprudel. I call him the little maroon gnome of good health because that's more maroon red than pure red. Yellow drinking horn. Why is Sprudel smiling? Regularity. So mentioned by name and the color of his apparel and drinking horn on this document. So that's definitive proof right there. Most people want, especially with our smart devices, they want two-tier authentication. West Baden Hotel under tree. It's Rookwood Pottery, and it's original, and it's priceless. As we learned in our interview with Jeff, the hotel was vacant for 13 years, from 1983 to 1996. Somewhere in the middle, the walls of the building started to collapse. This hotel was built between the summers of 1901 and 1902 in less than a year, winter of 1991. A few months shy of the property's 89th birthday, a 108-foot section of the hotel collapsed. That's everything from our shop all the way down to the sliding glass doors of the marquee entrance. Boom. Now, the property was abandoned and tied up in bankruptcy courts, so no endangered of human life. However, the National Park Service designated, honored, the West Baden Springs Hotel as a National Historic Landmark in 1987. That's a federal program that honors and recognizes historic sites throughout our nation. So here it is. We have a national treasure self-destructing in southern Indiana. Indiana Landmarks would would acquire this property after an anonymous donor paid the $250,000 negotiated purchase price. Then we met with Bill and Gail Cook Incorporated, and with a handshake, they agreed to fund the initial rescue. And that was the springboard to them coming back in 2005, 6, and 7 to restore initially the French Lake Springs and then the West Baden Springs Hotel. With the Cooks, they wanted to make sure that it was historically accurate. That's one thing. They have been such avid, strong supporters of historic preservation here in Indiana. They want to get it right. And if it takes multiple swings at it, they just want to get it right. And working with Indiana Landmarks, that was achieved. Because of how magnificent these two hotels are, I suggested that being part of their renovation was probably something of a dream project for those who are able to work on it. Yes, this is a dream project. 
There were people up at West Baden in the 90s. We had people coming from all across the country to try to get on that project. And here in 2005 and 6, it was the same thing. They were drawing all skilled and unskilled labor from all across the country just so this could be on their resume. They wanted to be a part of it, not a passion, but also, again, you get one historic preservation restoration project under your belt, and it makes you more employable for future. One of the coolest spaces in the French Lake Hotel is the power plant bar and grill. Its walls feature many of the old control panels from the power plant. Large levers, dials, and switches cover one wall. When the cooks took over, they did a hard look, a hard assessment of what they had here. And anything that could be salvaged from the power plant, the bottling plant, and the large ballroom that had been built by Sheraton, called the Hoosier Ballroom, 2,000 seat capacity, would be taken from those structures before their demolition, repaired, restored, and then used in the restoration of the historic hotel. The power plant bar and grill, this is why it's called the power plant bar and grill. Those are the marble switch panels from the old powerhouse. Kind of looks like something out of Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory from that old black and white classic, right? And of course, they have all sorts of craft beers here, your standard tradition, domestic imports, great service, great high-end gastro club type of food. Of course, at the end of our tour, I had to ask Dan for his thoughts on the so-called Angel Room, located in the hub at the top of the dome. There's no way to access the inside of that hub on the inside. So you have to go along the flat part of the roof, take this ladder up the outside of the dome. The ladder stops somewhere between 50 to 60 feet from the top. So it's fingers on shingles. Go to the top, go into this maintenance shed. And in 96, the workers opened up the trap door and hopped down inside. And they rediscovered paintings of angels and smaller cherubs inside that hollow steel cylinder. The inspiration of the cherubs, definitely the cherubs painted by Raphael, the Sistine Madonna. A few minutes later, standing in the hallway behind the fireplace, Dan pointed out a large paneled poster with images of some of these angels. Here are photographs of four of the taller angels that are up there. The inspiration, we believe, is Fra Angelico, a mid-15th century Florentine religious artist, who painted them. The artists never signed their work, so it's a mystery. We do know who didn't paint them based off of some of the graffiti. It wasn't the Jesuits. The earliest legible graffiti with a date is from 1918. That's 16 years for the Jesuits. They didn't paint it. A bunch of theories. My personal inclination, the original workers of No. 102, or possibly those who redecorated the atrium in 1917. I don't know. It's a mystery. Last year, India Landmarks released mobile app tours on Apple, Google Play Store for the, both hotels. So go to those French Lake West Baden tours and you can get to the Angel Room. We need a new imagery of the Angel Room. And I've been trying to get to the Angel Room since October of 2006. So coming up on 15 years, and I finally got to get up there with India Landmarks art director. He took the professional photographs and his wife, who was assisting him, took one of me up there. Dan pulled out his phone and showed us pictures of himself standing in the angel room in front of one of the paintings. I'm sharing this just so you get an idea of the scale, the height of these angels. I'm six foot. Oh, wow. So what, eight, eight and a half feet? And of course, the angel I'm in front of is this one. And 
the graffiti is removed to protect the guilty because some of the people who have written their names on those angels work at this resort. And for some reason, they told me their secret, and I'll go to the grave with it. I asked Dan for a reminder on how visitors might book tours like this one. People can purchase tickets here. We also have an online vendor called Fair Harbor, so you can make sure you're, you have your tickets before you travel. And then we have also the QR code for our, the mobile app tours that I talked about. And there's other tour programs, indialandmarks.org. And you can email Sandy anytime. I'd like to thank Dan again for joining me and allowing us to record and share part of this tour. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.